0: The worst thing that you can do, and this is, you know, something you're told when you're working with medicine, you know, in in the ceremonial context, is, you know, don't fight it. Because when you fight it, that's when you have the roughest experience, you know, you just have to create a space where just observe and, you know, let it happen and see, you know, what can I learn from this this experience, you know. Going into the studio to do the record was, you know, it was like, do I have anything left? (laughs) I don't know. And surrounding myself with, with you know, musicians who I love and who love me was really huge for getting me to the other side, you know, to, to into the back to the light.
1: Here we are. We got Mike Rivard from Club Delph, uh, like like a clubbed elf. Um, <laughs> Mike, so glad to have you on here, man. So for everyone out there listening, Club Delph is a group led by Mike. They, they play some out-of-the-box music. Um, double album coming out from Club Delf, April 1st, blending trance music and jazz, psychedelic rock, world music, electronica. Mike, to start this off, I was doing some research into your musical background before this, and I came across um, something that's been an influence to you nawa music can you tell me about that and what about it's like so moving and inspiring to you
0: well it's mostly pronounced gnawa g-n-a-o-u-a um
1: ah.
0: but the thing the thing for me is i've always been attracted to to trance music you know music that uh that made me forget about t- the passage of time and kind of transported me to uh an eternal realm, you know. You know what I'm talking about. So, Kanawa is is uh, is you know the original trance music. It's from Morocco, and originally, uh, um, people from Mali and uh, and Guinea and West Africa, um, mostly Bambara people, were brought to Morocco like 600 years ago as slaves, and they. Um, you know they merged <coughs> merged with the indigenous uh, Amazir culture and the uh, the Arabic world, and um, they're these trance healers. It's music as medicine, music as as healing, and uh, the primary instrument in the music is called the sintir or the gimbri, and it's a bass instrument. So as a bass player, I was always uh, drawn to this this music because it. The, the, the sound of the instrument is one of the most incredible sounds i've ever heard it's like it's like a tuned drum you know it's like a drum and a bass playing in unison one rhythm section played by one person and it's uh it's basically a hollowed out piece of wood like a like a canoe with an animal skin stretched over it a camel skin usually and uh with kind of a broomstick handle going down the middle and three got strings made of goat intestine Um, and the middle string is a drone string, so it only goes halfway up the neck and it's not actually fingered by the left hand you just play the outer two strings Um, and it's it's kind of it's it's an ancestor of the banjo it's kind of like one of the original banjo instruments and i heard i heard, heard this instrument you know probably for the first time like maybe 35 years ago a friend of mine made me a cassette of some Ganawa music um, which I later learned was uh, uh, Mustafa backbo and Hamida Bousso and it just you know it just floored me but it wasn't until fast forward a few more years and I was playing a lot with uh, a guy named Mark Sandman who had a band called morphine and I was playing in a band with Mark called Hypnosonics, and Mark turned me on to a record by Hassan Hakmoon, who's one of the uh, the foremost Gnawa musicians in the West, calls himself the Godfather of Gnawa. and uh, the album was called Gift of the Ganawa and it that was kind of the light bulb moment that went off in my head and I realized you know it was my destiny to find one of these instruments and learn to play it. And you know, play my own music on it. So that's that's kind of what got me got me started on the road.
1: How is Gnawa music healing?
0: Uh, <laughs> well, in Morocco, um, they hold what are called Lila, which are all night trance healing ceremonies, and the uh, the Gnawa. Are called by the family or whoever whoever is in need of uh, of healing, and it can be a physical ailment, it can be a mental ailment, mental illness, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, the ganawa come, and uh, it's a whole ceremony. Um, it, there's animal sacrifice involved, and it's all it's all centered around the spirits. They correspond to seven colors. And said, there's scents that that are indicative of each spirit, and songs that are indicative of each spirit, and uh, people are are called to trance, you know. And uh, there are people who trance to certain spirits, like when the songs of that spirit are played. That's like that's like their jam, you know. That's like when when they start going into trance. And what about it is healing? Well, that's that's an interesting question. Um, I think it uh, it goes beyond the uh, what can be explained in, in Western terms, you know, or, or allopathic medicine? It goes into the spirit world, you know, which is where, um, in that belief, a lot of the illness originates. There can be possession, there can be what called jinn or uh, malevolent spirits. So they, they interact with the spirit world and uh, on the behalf of the, uh, the afflicted person. That's my understanding. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just a guy from Minnesota who
1: <laughs> Have you have you been to one of these ceremonies?
0: I have not I've not been to a, a Lila, I have been to Morocco and um, had the good fortune of working with uh, one of the one of the great Gnawa musicians, uh, a gentleman named uh, Mahmoud Guinea. And the uh, the Gnawa are masters and um, they're referred to as Malum, basically means master. And uh, so I got, I, I was living in uh, Somerville, Massachusetts at the time, and there was an organization called the University of the Middle East that uh, established a sister city partnership between Somerville and Tiznit, which is a, a small town in the uh, northern part of the, the Sahara. And which I was actually familiar with with Tiznit because the, uh, the Moroccan musician in Club Delft, Raheem Fribgan, uh, he has a couple of friends from Tisneet who live in Cambridge. So I've been hanging out with Ahmed and Latifah for a while so anyway so fast forward to 2009 and um the mayor of somerville led a delegation of somervilleans uh you know kind of a cross-section of the city there were teachers artists uh you know healthcare workers and 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 a musician me (laughs) and we went to partner with with people of our our profession and i i always say i got the best end of the deal because i just got to hang out with musicians and you know they're they're the best to, to hang out with we just you know ate and had had some smokes and you know played music so during that trip i got to uh, i got to go to Essaouira and uh meet mamu guinea who was a, a friend of a friend of mine who was traveling in morocco and it was you know one of these like serendipity ex- experiences like he just happened to be in Essaouira, which is an amazing city on the coast where uh jimi hendrix famously hung out in the, the late 60s and orson welles filmed uh, othello there um so my friend Majid was was visiting in Esawara and at the very time that I I had an open part in my my itinerary and he he knew Mahmoud and uh agreed to introduce me to him and it was just like you know boom all the forces aligned and and I you know was soon I was in Mahmoud's house listening to him play and I, I actually bought a sentier from him on that that trip that uh he he said he made. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but uh, at any rate, he he played it, and it's uh, it's certainly imbued with his Baraka. It's got his his spirit in it, and I I think of him every time I play it. So uh, no, no, I haven't actually been to I haven't been to Alila, a but uh, um, someday.
1: Yeah, I'm curious how your experiences with Ganawa music have shaped your understanding of. Musical dynamics and what you know now about musical psychology and music healing, how you incorporate that as a musician into your show and, and what that looks like kind of behind the scenes mm-hmm.
0: well the, the, the structure of canal music has been uh, a big influence on on the music that, that we do um, I've, I've always you know, drawn from it in a sort of uh, oblique way, you know sort of uh, tangentially. Like I play the the primary instrument in in that music, but as a you know as a white Western man, um, I'm very aware of cultural appropriation, and you know this is a. This is a tradition that I have deep respect for, and it's you know it's, it's powerful. It's it's like it's it's not music as entertainment. It's although now you know Kanawa, you'll see Kanawa musicians in the street, and you know the, the annual Kanawa festival they have every year is, is certainly a, more of an entertainment thing, but the roots of the music are are very serious. You know it's it goes to connection with the spirit world and, and healing. So when I first when I first you know started playing the Sintir, I was I was really conscious of not wanting to just be like a white guy trying to play, you know, an indigenous music and like, you know, ripping it off for my own uh, purposes. And, you know, it helped that I was I was hanging out with Moroccan friends and I I used them as kind of a cultural barometer just to make, you know, just to keep me in check and make sure that what I was doing was was okay, you know, and and, and respectful. And I, I sort of made a conscious effort not to just like um, recreate, you know, the Ganawa songs, but to actually take the instrument and create on it you know like create my own music come up with my own riffs and my own my own lines which you know we're all inspired by by the the uh, you know canal music that i was i was listening to but it was you know it wasn't it wasn't that overt and um and i started writing you know right away i just started writing my my own tunes and um when i when i got the instrument um sandman had already passed away he famously in morphine uh, invented an instrument the two-string slide bass and his whole thing was like you know minimalism and and taking away like you know he, he he had a funny thing he would say like you know well all you need is one string because all the notes are, <laughs> are on that one string you know any, anything else is superfluous and it's you know that's just kind of Mark being Mark but uh, but he was you know he was very into minimalism and I um, I always regret that uh, I never got to play the sentier with him because I, I think um, he would have really enjoyed it he did get to play with Brahim uh, Brahim played on uh, the last morphine album uh, the night and I was really happy that I got to bring those guys together, and I'm sure they would have created a ton of amazing music had Mark lived. Um, but anyway, so so I just started playing the this interior and doing like you know my own my own kind of riffs, the kind of stuff that I would imagine Mark would would come up with. And it wasn't really until um, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go on a tangent, but uh, so I was for a long time I was taking uh, annual trips to the Amazon jungle in Peru and working with some indigenous healers there. And I was taking the Sintir and, and playing um, the instrument, you know, in, in kind of a ceremonial context. And on my my last trip there in 2015, while I was in the jungle, I um, developed a pulmonary embolism, which is a uh, blood clot that uh, started in my leg as a DVT, uh, deep vein thrombosis, during the flight. And it's, you know, it's, it's not uncommon for these things to occur during during long flights, while well, which is why uh, it's very important to get up and move around and, and exercise when you're on a long flight. Be very hydrated because it can happen, and it usually starts in the leg. And um, while I was in the jungle, uh, it traveled up and lodged in my my lung, and I started having heart palpitations and difficulty breathing, and you know just massive anxiety and insomnia. And it, I mean, it fucked me up really, really bad. Um, and uh i didn't find out what was going on until a few weeks later when i was back in the states and i had some tests and at that point you know i had got rushed to the er and had to go on blood thinners and you know began this long descent into the rabbit hole of of western medicine and uh and depression you know i was like clinically depressed and i was having panic attacks and you know ptsd it was it was a rough time and um that was when i really kind of started to delve deep into the Ganawa tradition and actually like learn note for note you know what what some of the some of the the musicians that i i respected were, were doing there there's a, a great album that bill laswell produced called night spirit masters you might be familiar with and um it, it's probably the most it's probably the, the most well-recorded sentier sound i mean it's it's really the gold standard it just sounds amazing and um i love the playing of mustafa bakbo on that and his playing on the hamuda uh, just always floored me. So I, I just said about you know because when when you're not sleeping, you know you're you gotta you gotta find something to occupy yourself with other than your your brain gnawing on itself. You know. So I would I would, and I was at the time I was living in an, an old farmhouse by, by myself in in a, uh, like on 80 acres of conservation land in Lincoln. So it was pretty pretty remote. So I could you know I could be up. At four in the morning and not not disturb anybody, <laughs> and take long walks and, and and whatnot. So I just I said said about um, you know playing note for note what what these these musicians did, and that was when I, I really kind of delved deep into the tradition in a way that I I'd, I'd always sort of circumnavigated you know for for reasons of not wanting to you know tread where where I shouldn't go. But it was it was also uh, kind of a DIY uh, experiment in healing myself through 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 healing music you know because i could i couldn't i was just not in a place where i could actually like travel to morocco and you know present myself and to the Ganawa musicians and you know have a leela for myself i wasn't in that place um but something about the music even played by you know a, a person who's not from the tradition um something in the instrument i don't know you know there's a there's a there's a spirit and there's there's a definitely a spirit in the music and um Maybe it's the repetition, you know, because trance music is all about repetition, you know, the the same thing happening over and over. And and it's it's something that happens over a period of time, you know, as the brain entrains itself to, you know, to like a a steady, uh, repeated element. Um, I used to, I was into brain machines, brain machine technology, like analog brain machines uh, in the 80s, which were all about, uh, you would put on headphones and have like goggles and they would pulsate at a certain frequency and the, the different frequencies corresponded to different uh, states of consciousness. So I was always, you know, I've always been into uh, altered states of consciousness. <laughs> that's, you know, that's been something fascinating for me and, you know, working in the dream world and working with plant medicines. Um, so, yeah, so so deal, kind of dealing with, with finding my way out of the darkness of my depression, um, Canal music was, you know, was really a huge tool for me to, you know, to kind of find my way, my way back from that. But I'm, you know, I, I'm really, I'm really hesitant to, I mean, it's hard to put labels on music, you know, especially music like ours. Cause you know, it's so multi hyphenated. Um, and uh, healing music is, is something that I strive for, but I, I kind of um, hesitate or, you know, sort of cringe at like applying that because, you know, it's, it's rather as, assumptive, you know, like it's, maybe it's not going to heal everybody, you know, maybe it's, it's only heals certain, certain people, but that's, that's what I, I strive for, you know, is, is to play music that, um, you know, that kind of taps into something that, that could actually um, be of use in a, in a sense, in a healing sense, you know.
1: In reflecting on that experience of healing that you were referring to, the anxiousness, the panic, the fear, the depression. What do you think you learned from all of that, reflecting on it? Like in hindsight and looking now at your perspective today, what is your schema regarding anxiety, fear, death, depression? How do you, how do you ha- handle these emotions now with, with the insights you've gained from your experiences?
0: Well, I mean, that whole time was. was as deep a dive into that as I've, as I've ever done. And, and this is coming from a person who's, you know, who's always been somewhat attracted to the the spirit world or the, the darker, the darker side of things. You know, I was born on Halloween, which is when the uh, the veil between the worlds is at its thinnest. And I've been, I've had a lifetime love of monster movies and horror. And that was one of the things that uh, John Modusky and I kind of bonded on early in our relationship. We were in, uh, a band the either orchestra together in, in the 80s in boston and on tour we would you know we would generally bunk together and over a, you know we kind of com- connected on in a mutual love of john waters films and horror movies and and macrobiotics so i've you know i've always had like you know a tendency toward towards the dark the darkness um and that's that's played a big part in a lot of my you know kind of medicine journeys you know i they tend to be very uh apocalyptic and uh for whatever reason, I just seem to need to experience death <laughs> in in all of its manifest, manifestations over and over, and um, you know, being immersed in the uh, in the clinical depression, I refer to it as the upside down. You know, did you, did you watch uh, Stranger Things? There's kind of like this this parallel universe that, that one of the characters goes goes into, and that that's what it was like for me. It was like one moment I would be feeling you know something, and then suddenly. Like a veil would would shift and, and i would be in a totally different place um so you know that whole experience was something i wouldn't recommend to anybody because it was it was harrowing you know i mean i was in a i was in a place where um nothing that 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 was sacred to me or nothing that that had meaning had any meaning anymore you know it was just everything went away music that i love to listen to you know my favorite records um they, i just had no pleasure in anything you know so it was a it was a really difficult music, you know, and I felt like such a, such an imposter. I felt like, you know, um, so much of what I was doing at that time was trying to hide what was going on, you know, in my internal world, because, um, you know, I make my living living through music, you know, I mean, besides Club Delph, I I do a lot of freelance work and I'm playing with, with, you know, uh, some, you know, some well-known people and, you know there's there's a stigma about you know depression and you don't want to you don't want to at least what i felt was people wouldn't want to work with someone that you know that was going through the kind of internal experiences that i was going through so i i really kept it on the dl and um that whole experience uh is as rough as it was um it it really taught me some some lessons that uh, i don't know if i could have learned any other way you know like don't take yourself out of the picture don't don't uh remove yourself from your community and your friends which is you know something that i did i just kind of went off on my own and thought you know i didn't want anybody to see see me like this so a lot of my uh, a lot of my friends didn't even know what was going on you know and uh, i uh i grew up in a, a military milieu you know my dad was a lieutenant colonel in the marines and there was always kind of a you know, just kind of suck it up and just deal with it attitude, you know, like you don't, you don't complain. Um, he was a pilot. He, he lost his leg during the Vietnam war, but he, you know, he, you don't, you don't make a big deal out of that. And, um, but the trauma, you know, the trauma remains and it, and it, it is, you know, inherited through, through the generations, you know, the ancestral trauma. Um, and one thing I, I learned is that uh, I want to, uh, I really want to deal with my, <laughs> with my trauma I, I had to, I mean, I didn't have any chance or, or choice cause you know, cause that was, that was, what, was um, what was put on me. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just a, it was a, a deep learning experience of, of that. I don't need to be, I don't need to live in the darkness. You know, I, I've, I've been fascinated by it. I've been compelled to it, but uh, there's nothing wrong with it, some light <laughs> cause it's all about balance. You know, you gotta, you gotta have the yin and the yang. And I was like way, way off in the dark realm for, for too long
1: so now if let's say you did have maybe like a panic attack in the future what kind of self-talk goes on given your perspective now
0: i mean i think i think the 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 most helpful thing is just focus on your breath (laughs) and i and and one of the one of the positive things that came out of that whole experience for me was um i really got my meditation uh practice in order a lot of times you know uh, when i couldn't sleep at night i would just get up and you know sit at my altar and just sit and meditate you know which was harrowing because you know my brain is gnawing on itself but the the act of like really developing a practice like you know just sitting through it and just working through it you know and and accepting it you know because because the the worst thing that that you can do and this is you know something you're told when you're working with medicine you know in, in a ceremonial context is you know don't fight it because when you fight it that's that's when you know when you have the the roughest experience you know you just have to create a space where just observe and you know let it happen and see you know what can i learn from this this experience you know this is what i'm feeling um i'm not going to reject it i'm just going to uh look at it with with this open a mind as i as i can and i've had you know i was having panic attacks on stage and you know dude that is like that's the worst you know i mean i i i'm a person that i can kind of hide it pretty well and like i think most people weren't really aware of it but uh now, if, if it happens, you know, the first thing I do is just, you know, focus on my breath and just, you know, this is where I'm at right now. It's not where I'm going to be in 10 minutes necessarily. It's not where I'm going to be tomorrow, but it's where I am right now. And let me just, you know, witness it and see where, see where it goes.
1: Mm. So Mike, jump into back to the side, talking club <laughs> Delph. Um, yeah,
0: let, let's talk about more music.
1: Man. Yeah. Um, music. So, so with unlearning habits of traditional Western music, can you talk to me about some of the key, like most eye-opening lessons you learned about music through this journey?
0: Well, number one is you have to get over the the um, that voice in your, your head that says you have to keep changing what you're playing, or you have to you have to fill because trance music is is all about repetition and 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 learning to play the same thing over and over and over. And uh, getting back to Sandman one more time, uh, that was when I was in the hypnosonics. That was one of the, the things that he would really try to instill in me he would turn around on stage and just shout no fills you know because i musicians have a tendency to at the end of four bars or eight bars or you know 16 bars just to play play something you know like a, a little alter the the um the ostinato or whatever whatever they're playing and you know when you when you're trained in a jazz milieu you know like i went to berkeley and you know, kind of the attitude is like always, always keep, you know, playing, playing new stuff, you know, just if, if you play the same thing, you know, it's stale, you know, it's, it's almost like you should be ashamed to, to, you know, to repeat yourself. And that's, that's something that you really need to get over. And I had to, I had to, you know, kind of train myself to not get bored, you know, not get bored with, with playing the same thing and to just do it with, uh, with intention, uh, spiritual focus and, uh, you know, like a meditative, uh, uh, you know, attitude toward, towards it. Um, the other thing that, uh, that was really um, instrumental for me, uh, especially for learning to play um, Moroccan music, was to learn to hear where the one is. And that's like, the one is like where, where the phrase begins. And then to, to a Western ear, uh, or at least mine, I was hearing a lot of the music uh, in the wrong place. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't where, the, where a Moroccan or somebody who actually was inside the music was feeling the music. It was like you know, to western ears, you know, we kind of focus on the 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 emphasized part of the beat, you know, usually the backbeat two and four. And uh, through hanging out with Brahim, um, we were roommates together for a while in the early days of uh, his involvement with Club Delph. He just really uh, patiently and good-naturedly helped me to hear where the one is. We would take long trips in my my Volvo wagon, listening to cassettes of uh, Moroccan folk music, and I would you know be clapping. Where I, where I thought the one was, and he would go, no, 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 and then he would clap where, where the one was. So I had to actually kind of retrain myself to to hear it, and brainwash myself almost. Uh, and the rhythm in particular that's really hard to hear is called the shabby. And if, if you it's a 12-8 rhythm, so if, you're, if you think of 1-2-3-2-2-3-3-2-3-4-2-3, two, three, two, two, three, three, two, three, so it's like a four beats each subdivided into three, and the accents of the, the, the rhythm all fall on off beats, so nothing's on a strong beat. So it goes one, two, three, four, get, go get, go tick, go get, gon tick, go tick, go, 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 go high, low, high, low. And it actually, if, so it falls, if you subdivide each of the beats, one, two, three, one, two, three, so it happens on the third of the first beat, one, two, three, one, two, three, one two three, and then the the next three beats are all in the two of the triplet. One two three, 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 one two three. Get go. gone, get gone, and if nobody's clapping, you just hear it. Get gone, get gone, get gone, get gone. You know, at least I did. You know, I, I would I would kind of revert to hearing where where the where the strong beats were, and uh, it took a long time to, to to actually hear it in the right the right place. And I really owe um, my ability to do that to to working with Brahim. I'd also like to you know i don't want to I don't want the, the interview to end without me talking about some of the other other guys in the band because I'm really um, it's not it's not by any stretch of the, the imagination a solo project it's really uh, a community of, of like-minded musicians you know collective and we we create this this music together um, you know the the experiences I had in, in Peru is is kind of an over um overall uh story for the for the album you know but that's just my my story and every everybody else kind of you know brings in their own their own world into it so you know john john was a huge part on it john bodeski um dean johnston has been the drummer of the band for uh since like 2006. um brahim was a huge element to it um we also had duke Levine and kevin berry and uh, dave fusinski playing guitar and paul schulteis playing keyboards Um, so there's basically two bands that recorded the tracks um, Duke and Kevin, myself, Paul, Brahim, and Dean, and then the other the other tracks were recorded with Medeski and Fusinski and Brahim and Dean and I, and um, great uh, tabla player from uh, North India, Amit Kavtikar, um plays on a couple tracks, and Mr. Rourke, who's been um, you know in, involved in the band for twenty two years now, um, puts his special sauce on everything. We had some horn players, Phil Grenadier and Andrew Foliano. And the first time a harmonica has been featured on a club recording by an icelandic phenomenon named uh, thoroughly for Gaikor davidson so i was i was really really thrilled to have um all of these guys involved with it and um i feel really you know really blessed to to have them along because a lot of them are my dear friends and people i've known for you know 20 30 years duke and i go back probably the longest and uh Doing this record was you know for me. It was kind of a Hail Mary pass like I didn't I didn't know if I had anything After the, the whole experience of you know the darkness from from my jungle experience I didn't know if I had anything left to, to say, you know musically or creatively um, Something that was really uh, instrumental and in kind of uh, Hitting the reset button for me was um, I did uh, a round of ketamine infusion therapy, which is uh, has become uh Pretty uh, effective for you know for treatment resistant depression, and that that kind of uh, set uh, like like rebooted my brain chemistry mm-hmm. and, and allowed a lot of the other therapeutic modalities that I was doing you know like uh, talk therapy and uh, the work with the trance music and everything else. really gave it a foundation where I could uh, you know I could kind of move forward. Um, so that was you know that was really huge for me. And to going into the studio to do the to do the record was you know, it was like, do I have anything left? <laughs> I don't know. And surrounding myself with, with, you know, musicians who I love and who love me was, was really a huge experience, uh, you know, for, for, for getting me to the other side, you know, to, into the back to the light.
1: Man, I can't wait to hear it. What an inspiring story. Like the things that can be most fear inducing seems like you've really uh, had an intimate time with and to see, you know what kind of back nine are on that golf course so to speak it's uh it's inspiring mike wrapping this up talk to me about in addition to the people you made this album with what about this album are you most excited about
0: i'm excited about paying tribute to a lot of where we came from as musicians you know like the whole experience with the you know my my personal darkness, and then the the global darkness of the pandemic. You know one of the big takeaways is gratitude and um, paying back. So we you know we we do a lot of cover tunes on on this record. Um, we cover a song by Frank Zappa, who's been a huge influence for myself and you know a bunch of guys in the band. And um, uh, we do a Joe Zawinul tune in a silent way with a, a Miles Davis tune. It's about that time, and that. You know, for me, that was that was a hugely influential record. Listening to um, Miles Davis's "In the Silent Way" record, um, I had a friend who who actually was a guy who who turned me on to the, the first Kanawha set. This guy Richard Ehrman, and I used to go hang at hang at his house, and he would put that record on on a Sunday afternoon. And that music was so sublime and, and beautiful, and uh, took me to such amazing places. And um, you know, so you want to kind of give something back, and you know. Show show where where you came from and that, you know, this is kind of our our uh, attempt at doing that. And we do a song by a a great Moroccan band called Nestle One that are known as the Moroccan Beatles. They were a hugely popular group in Morocco in the 70s and the 80s. And Brahim grew up in their same neighborhood with them in Casablanca. And uh, and then we dedicate the whole all the music, the whole album to a dear friend of ours uh, named Richard Zukowski, who passed away um, during the pandemic. He was a huge, uh, influence on, um, myself and, and John Badesky, especially, uh, Richard did, was a, was a healer. He, he did a, a type of body work He called structural therapy. And, uh, as musicians, you know, <laughs> we, we often deal with, uh, repetitive stress issues, especially when you play the same thing over and over and over with trance music. And Richard, Richard was the, um, the reason uh some of us you know con- could continue to play and um so we dedicate the the album to him and it it just feels really good to uh you know to, to to put something out into the world that that expresses our gratitude for you know for all the the teachers and the uh the um inspirations that, that kind of led us to where we where we ended up today
1: well if you're out there listening i'm sure by now uh you're excited for for some new music from mike revard club delf <laughs> My head's spinning. I want to ask you a thousand more questions. We got to jump off here though. Um, I'd love to have you for, for a round two, maybe, uh, later this year to dive deeper into your pool of wisdom there, there, Mike, but man, thank you. Thank you for coming on. If you listen this far. So where, where can everyone find club Delph online? And, um, this album's coming out April 1st. Is that correct?
0: April fool's day. Yep. But it's no joke. <laughs> or is it? It's called you never know. Um, uh the website's clubdelf.com. you know you, uh, it's on bandcamp it'll be available on apple and all the uh all the portals and streaming and uh i'm not sure when this is going to broadcast but we uh we've got one of the songs on the album uh is the Ganawa song that was taught to me by mamu guinea and that's uh being released tomorrow relics magazine is doing a premiere of the video for that so you can check that out
1: I'll tune in uh yeah well we're this is gonna be out after that, so we're gonna link that here. Okay. We'll, we'll have all kinds of links, Mike. Thank you again, man. It was great to meet you, and I look forward to you know continuing uh, this back and forth.
0: Thanks, Cam. It was great. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Thank you, man. Looking forward to listening. You made it this far. Thank you for listening, and a big thank you to our sponsors: Hemp Relief, CBD, SEM Tickets devil wind brewing and artillery productions we've got links in the description below go check out all the awesome stuff
0: they've got going on and yeah much love everyone